0: You're listening to That's The Industry Podcast, episode number 32. Today, you're going to learn why it is essential to treat your passion like a business. Here we go. You're listening to That's The Industry with Thomas Jordan. That's The Industry with Thomas Jordan. The podcast that takes you inside all the aspects of the entertainment industry directly from the people who are making it happen. And now, your host, Thomas Jordan. What's going on, everyone? Thomas Jordan here for another episode. Today, we are talking to a music producer and fellow content creator. He was on the podcast before on episode seven. Uh, I highly recommend you go back and re-listen to that episode. It was a very good one. And now he's back. Jonathan Peak, aka Sinai. What's going on, man?
1: Hey, man. What's going on? Glad to be here.
0: Yeah, man, Uh, dude, you know, I always love following your work and, you know, catching up with people that I've spoken to before. Uh, I'm glad we got together, man. And, you know, we talked about, you know, almost you almost quitting your passion on the last episode. And, you know, fast forward, you know, a good at least six months at least. Uh, Dude, what are you up to now, man?
1: So um, really, I've just been trying to implement doing singles every month um i was really inspired by russ who is a very successful um independent recording artist and one thing he was doing to really build up um his following was to build a catalog um so that when someone went to his music and really liked it he had something you know there he had a portfolio he had plenty of music there for someone to listen to it wasn't like a oh you know i like this song let me see what he has and it's just that one song um so russ really talks to artists about being uh making sure you have a catalog ready so that way when someone listens to your music they will go to your page and they'll see everything else you have so he really talks about make sure you're dropping a single i mean he he said that he dropped a single every week (laughs) um which (laughs) is, is a lot it's definitely a lot i don't think i could keep up with that so what i did is like let me try to drop one a month that way it gives me you know, a month to promote it and market it. Uh, So that's what I've been doing these past few months, man, is just dropping a single every month, Uh, just listening to what people think, their feedback, and then just tweaking everything and just getting the next one to drop and just trying to build that catalog while I'm also trying to build up my fan base as well.
0: And what's the difference between having a catalog and just releasing an album with one to 12 tracks?
1: So the big thing is you really have to play it the best way possible when you're trying to build your name. Um, So I've done a little bit of everything. I've dropped EP. I've dropped an album. I've dropped a single every month. Um, and it really just depends on your audience when you're dropping stuff constantly. This, this is universal. If you're dropping stuff constantly, you're going to get new people to pull into your music because I've been looking at my Instagram recently and noticed that there's a lot more faces looking at my story. There's a lot more people looking at the stuff I'm dropping. So it's there. I saw it once where, um, someone said there's going to be people constantly, new people constantly looking at your content. So you don't have to, you don't need to act like, okay, I have 2000 followers, that's the 2,000 people I'm to need to be focusing on. No, you need to focus on a 2,000 plus the 100 people that may see your stuff the next day and 100 people may see your stuff the next day or five people see your stuff the next day. So it's constantly releasing stuff because you're gonna have new people coming in. It's just like owning a business. You know, you don't focus on the 10 people that are in the store right now, you focus on the 10 people that are in the store plus the new people that may potentially come in. So you wanna take care of the people that are loyal to you and you wanna to cater to the new people that come in. So I think dropping stuff constantly definitely works better than dropping like an album uh once every blue moon. Now, if you have a really big following and you're building that potential and you have a really big fan base, then I think that's when dropping an album is is going to be imperative because you have a lot of people looking at you. You have a fan base. So you have that following of people that are ready for that album to drop. Uh, But I think when you're first starting out and building that fan base, it's very imperative that you constantly drop new music because like I said, you're gonna have new people coming in uh, constantly. It's just like treating it like a business.
0: No, I totally agree, and a lot of people say, you know, content is king and consistency is queen. Um, And like I said, I think that's pretty obtainable, man, for what you do and the quality you produce. uh, One a month, yeah, man. Um, And I really, I think you've got it narrowed down, man. And like I said, I would rather you put out once one, you know, single a month and it'd be just straight fire than like, Oh, these handfuls are like, I saw what he was doing there. You know, if you were to do like one a week or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, I think you're on a roll, man.
1: I appreciate that, man. I'm trying. It, it's a science. And like, you just, you got to figure out what works best with you and you know, what works best for someone else might not work best with you. Um, so it really just depends on your fan base, your following, who you're, who's paying attention to your stuff. And, uh, I think another part of that is your demographics. Um, seeing, you know, the age range of people that pay attention to your content and seeing, um, you know, where they're based in um, uh, male, female, non-binary, whatever the case may be. You know, there's stats everywhere that shows you who caters to you the most um so i think that's another big thing to really focus on as an artist when you're trying to build up a fan base is seeing really who's paying attention to you what states what cities um you know what age group it's, it's very important to see that and hey who listens to what song is building the most traffic what song is getting people to pay attention to the most what song has the most listens what about it do people like the most it's really if you again, I can't stress it enough, if you really want this to flourish, then you have to treat like a business. And I'm nowhere near perfect. I'm still trying to learn uh, because obviously, you know, where I am, I'm growing, but I have much more to go. So um, I think truly treating it like a business and truly treating it like this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So I want to make sure I know every single detail is is very important to get this thing off the ground.
0: And you mentioned how important uh, analytics are. Why do you think they are so important?
1: Because if you're not paying attention to your analytics and your demographics and your stats, then you're not go- you're not paying attention to what people want. Um, you your following may really love you singing and not so much your rapping. Um, and if you're not paying attention to that, something as small as that, if you're not paying attention to that, like if there's a whole bunch of listens on this one song, of, of let, let's say there's a whole bunch of uh, listens on a handful of songs that you have and you're singing. And then you have the songs where you're rapping and there's not much, you know, there's not much attention there. So it may tell you, hey, I need to focus on singing more. But if you're not paying attention to that and you're just releasing, you know, a lot of songs that you're rapping, then you're gonna lose a lot of that clientele. You're gonna lose those followers, you lose those fans. And then you're gonna be scratching your head like what, what's happening? It's very important you pay attention to your analytics. It's very important you see what cities are popping with your music. What people are like, what are they saying about your music? What kind of stuff that you put out that people like? Because if you don't pay attention to that, you're going to miss it. You're never going to grow. Again, I'm going to go back to the whole business uh, metaphor. If your customers really like this specific thing that you sell... And you're not paying attention to that at all. And you're trying to push a completely different product. You're going to lose customers. People are not going to come in because they're going to feel like they're not being heard. They're not being seen. That's the other side of it. If you're not paying attention to your analytics, in a way, your fans, your potential fans are going to feel like they're not being acknowledged by you. They're going to see, oh, this guy's just trying to be like the next blah, 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 the next this person, next that person. They're just trying to blow up. That's That's it. And nowadays... Fans can smell that fans can sense that they can sense when someone's real or when someone's just trying to blow up and be famous and not really care. And nowadays people are catching on to that. It's like, it's not genuine. And a lot of artists do that. A lot of artists just crank stuff out without really paying attention. And people will gravitate away from that. People pull away from them from that and gravitate towards someone that's more real. And I've just seen it happen a lot more recently. Um, so if you're not paying to your, paying attention to your analytics, it really sends a sign and a message to the people that listen to your music, telling them, Hey, I mean, I don't really care what you think. I'm going to make music the way I want to, and I'm not going to pay attention to what you want is, is that's, that's how I I feel about analytics.
0: And how long would you say you spend like researching and kind of really doing a deep dive into your analytics?
1: At least I, I spend at least 30 to 30 minutes to an hour a day. Um, for me, since I don't have really much to go on right now, I do as much as I can, but it doesn't take up a whole lot of time, unfortunately. Um, so I am my fan base is building. Um, my listeners are building. Everything's building, which is good. Um, but at this moment, I don't have much to go on with my analytics, analytics and, you know, my stats, my demographics, what whatnot. Um, so I'll spend maybe 30 minutes to an hour. I'll go through my Spotify for artists. I'll go through Apple music for artists. I'll go through my Instagram analytics, um, Twitter. I don't really use much right now. I'm trying to get back into that. Cause you know, the more, you know, tools you're using the better. Um, but right now I just focus on Spotify, Apple music, Instagram. And I just look at those stats, look how they change. Um, and Spotify has an incredible tool so does Apple but Spotify is a little bit easier to navigate has an incredible tool called Spotify for artists that lets you really dig deep and you can see everything that's going on um, you can see the cities states um the gender gender specific um, you can see the uh the, the demographics of you know age group you can see uh, so okay so my fan base is 18 years old to 35. Um, and most of them live in, you know, they don't for me, but it's like most of them live in, you know, Kentucky or whatever. So it, it really like narrows it down on uh, is very specific. Um, so right now I do spend, I do go in there daily, but I'd say about 30 minutes to an hour just to make sure I'm, I'm doing what I need to do.
0: And what was the last like interesting thing you found about analytics? Because you mentioned, you know, you know, because so, you do sing and I know you rap some as well. So do you, when what was like the last thing where it's like, oh, I could do that different?
1: So the biggest thing for me um, was that and this is actually it it's, has nothing to do with like my rapping or singing. It has to do with where I'm targeting and how I'm targeting. So my whole thing, this has been for years, is like that I have to blow up in my city. That was the thing for me is like this, this belief. And it's a huge myth that a lot of artists uh, like really just feed into is that I have to blow up in my city first before I spread out and before I actually catch fire everywhere else, Which I, where that's completely not true, especially now with how this work, how social media works. I mean, most artists, they get discovered by someone in a completely different state or city than them. So whenever I was looking into my analytics, I learned when I probably the first few times I looked into it, I learned, wow, like most of my fan base is not Knoxville. Most of my fan base is spread out. A lot of them are in Atlanta, New York, California, um, other random, a lot of random small cities, Uh, even Salt Lake, you know, Salt Lake City. There's a lot of places That my fan base is in. And I did the math one day. I added it all up, and the majority of my fan base, I'd say 60% of my fan base, is not in Knoxville. So that was like a big whoa moment for me. It was like, okay, like I've been trying to focus on the city and trying to reach out to the people that live in the city when most of the people that listen to my stuff, they're not even here. They're in different cities, different continents, different countries. Like I have people in Japan listening to my stuff. So it was like, I need to focus more outward. I need to reach out more and spread out and make sure my message goes out and not just so focus it so funneled, like so in my city because most of the people that listen to my music aren't even here. So that was the big whoa moment for me. That was like the big like light bulb went off. Like, oh my gosh, like I need to really like make sure this stuff is getting out there and I'm focusing outward, not inward.
0: Yeah, because a lot of people try to be the mayor of their own city, basically. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's got to... Yeah, that's, that's really interesting, man.
1: Mm -hmm. Hmm. It opens your eyes. (laughs) Once you look at like, when you really get into it and you look at your analytics, it's just like, I had no idea that this specific kind of group and this specific kind of city loves what I do. And I've never met, there'd be no chance that I would have ever met them in my life, but they just somehow found my music and they love it. It's, it's crazy to see that when you see support from people that you don't even know, like that or in like maybe the other side of the planet. <laughs> it, just, it just it opens your eyes to see that, okay, we live in this day and age now where social media is is ruler, ruler of everything and we can reach out to anybody we want to and market anywhere we want to, just with our phones. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's a great time to be alive, it's a great time to be doing this. Absolutely.
0: Yeah and we you know we kind of talked about leaving LA last time with everything going on plus there's a lot of big podcasters like Joe Rogan and his crew a lot mm-hmm. of people are leaving LA now even though you know LA and New York City are like the meccas or whatever for entertainment but the internet and social media has basically changed the game and you can literally be anywhere and do whatever you want.
1: Mhm. Absolutely.
0: And you mentioned catering to other states uh, other than Knoxville. Like, how how exactly do you do that?
1: So that is actually a really good question. That's something I've been trying to figure out myself. Um, I think a lot of uh, what I would do, <clears throat> and what I've tried to do, is I will acknowledge that there's people out there that are in different states and cities that are listening to my music because this actually happened once before. Uh, this guy in Japan. Um, loves my music, he's a beat maker um, and he's one of the people that popped up on my on my um, analytics now, I didn't it didn't show his name, it just showed that there's someone in Japan really listening to my music and, you know, I will screenshot my analytics, I'll put them on there, I'm not scared to, to, to show that to people I don't care, like, I want to be as transparent as possible so, I'll screenshot my analytics I'll put them on my stories, like, man, Japan like, I don't know who you are out there, but thank you, thank you for supporting my music, and he sent me a message, like, yeah, man, that was me, like I rock with your stuff. Like, I love your stuff. And I was like, that's really cool that he saw that and, you know, wanted to tell me, hey, you know, it's it's me. It's me. I'm, I'm the one who's doing that. Like, I love your music. I want to keep supporting it. So I think <clears throat> sometimes it might be hard to specifically pinpoint somebody. But if you have like, let's say you have Atlanta, it's like loving your music. I would just, you know, hashtag Atlanta, tag Atlanta, tag the city, you know, try to make sure that Atlanta knows that you're Talk, talking about them it's like hey Atlanta thank you for rocking with this latest single like I appreciate it I appreciate you going on your way and you know and, and listening to it and building up this this uh this song like thank you so I think if you're able to um just shouting out the city hashtags um tagging the city if they have a Instagram profile um and if there's someone specific you know and you know that they're listening to your music in a different state you know tag them in it's like hey man like want to give a shout out to blah blah and from you know Salt Lake City. You have never met me in your life, but you listen to my music and you rock it out. And I see you recording it on your Instagram stories. Thank you for doing this. Um, I think just really going out of your way to let people know that yo, like I know you're listening to my stuff and I appreciate that. Like you I didn't have to sell you on it, you just found it and you're rocking it out. And I want to let you know, whether it's you personally or the city, that I appreciate you. And that's what I want to do a better better job at because I've done that a little bit, but I haven't really gone into it like like I just said. I haven't really um, shouted out like an actual city or country besides the Japan situation. So I think going out of your way and finding those states and finding those cities and those people and just letting them know, hey, you know, I appreciate you. You know, I appreciate you building that relationship. Like, I appreciate you for taking the time out of your day to listen to what I have.
0: And I think that goes back to what you said earlier about nurturing your followers and nurturing your fans.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just a it's just it's a business structure and you got, it's a family structure. Like you got to take care of the people that get you to that point. It's like so many people like they don't pay attention to that and they never grow. But then you see the artists that blow up and they never forget like, yo, like I want to shout out like the people that got me here, like whether it's a city that blew you up or a manager that busted their tail to get you to where you are. Like, you got to focus on the people that were there in the beginning and the people that pour into you and just pop up out of nowhere and continue to pour into you. Like, look, I have no idea who this guy is, but I love his music. I'm going to support it. Like, those people are important, every single one of them, because when you get to that big stage, when I get to that big stage and I see all those people, it's because of the people right now that are pouring into me. So you just got to you got to nurture those relationships from beginning to end.
0: No, I completely agree, man. Um, and it's so interesting because you mentioned, you know, how it's crazy when, you know, you get a follower or a listener from a different state or, in your case, a different country, and they reach out to you and say something. I feel like, you know, because I'm, you know, you have your fan base or you're like your friends and family who are always supporting you, but it happens to me sometimes, and I know it's got to happen to you probably more often. But isn't it crazy how good it feels when people just read reach out and give you just that like pat on the back of like not approval but just being like dude this this is solid
1: oh yeah oh yeah i mean affirmation for me i think that's one of my top love languages is words of affirmation so um i i never really had a lot of that growing up so especially now when i get that when it comes to something that i i love what i do and i'm already like you know, self-conscious about it because I'm not like there yet. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to build up my fan base and I'm trying to build my name. So it's like any little bit of someone telling you, hey, you're doing a good job is just like, it, it skyrockets me. And I got to remind myself that I got to take every compliment and every negative criticism with a grain of salt um, and not let your career be based off of that. That's something Gary Vee uh, said. Um, he lets positive comments, negative comments. It just, it just it, there's, a, there's a space for both of them. Cause he doesn't let it fuel, you know, everything he does. Because if you have 20 good comments and then one bad comment, you'll focus on that bad comment. So, uh, but going back to that affirmation, like, I love it, man. It, it's, it's hard for me to control it. Like I listen to Gary v, he's like, I gotta, you know, bounce it out. But man, if someone tells me I, they, they love my music, like I lose it. Like I'm just, I sorry I'm excited. I'm happy. It just, it, my whole day just gets better. It just does because I came from a place where I was making music and people wouldn't even acknowledge it. No matter how much I was begging and saying so much about it, like, yo, I like listen to this song. Listen to this song. Please listen to this song. And no one would listen to it. And some people would laugh at it. Now to where I am now, where I make music and people were like, yo, man, I really like this. Yo, this sounds good. Man, like I love this song. Like it it surges through my body. Like it's, it's uh, it's an incredible feeling. And I, I love it and, I, and I, I appreciate it. And I'm very humble about how I take it, but it does feel good. It it gives me the energy I need to keep going. Honestly, at this point in my life with everything going on, like when I get those good comments, it reinforces me. It, it kind of centers me back to, okay, this is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm doing this. I'm almost there. I just got to keep going because I'm at, I'm getting recognized now. And I'm on the right track because of what people are saying and how people are sharing my music. Like, I'm on the right track. I just got to keep going.
0: In our previous episode, we spoke about, you know, how you almost gave up and you almost stopped music completely. Um, How does it feel that knowing that you didn't quit and you just kept on going?
1: Man, it's, it's weird. It's like, in my head, I knew that I wanted to be done. And when I made that album in game, that's literally why I named it in game. And ironically, Adventures in game came out like a month after, but I literally named it in game because this was the end. I was like, I'm either gonna drop this and no one's gonna pay attention to it and it's just gonna fall off the face of the earth and so will my career and I'll just be done. Or, you know, it it builds some traction and hopefully enough to give me another, you know, kick in the rear end and, and go after it again. Um, and thankfully when I dropped it, I mean, people were crazy, like in, like in my city and people outwards, you know, it, it, it sparked a little bit of a flame. Um, it was, a uh, it was, it was awesome. And when I, when I saw the amount of people listening to it and supporting it and I was just, I was blown away. I was like, wow, like I, I did something and people actually are gravitating towards it. And maybe, maybe I do need to give this a little bit more of a chance. Maybe I do need to you know, push now that there's actually some some fire on the flame fire on the on the wood, you know, that something's actually starting to like catch fire. Um, Maybe I need to pour into this a little bit more. So ever since then, all I've been doing is just even if it feels like, oh, this isn't going to go nowhere because I'm still battling that. I'm still fighting that and I have to just push through it. I have to tell myself I'm going to get there no matter what. So I push I push everything I can into making a song and people love it. And I just keep going and going and going. And the more I do it, the more people, there's more eyes on me now than there's ever been. Like, when I'm on Instagram and I'm dropping a story, like, and I, I don't, I don't like bragging or talking about myself, but there are eyes on me. There are people that are in higher places that are look. it literally feels like I'm being scouted right now. That's what it feels like. So I'm like, okay, what, what do I need to do to, like, make sure I keep this fire going and I get the fire bigger and bigger and bigger? Because now I have, like, verified accounts, like, eyeballing me constantly. It's like, that's a good sign. So I just, no matter how I feel, I need to keep pressing in because I feel like I'm right there. Like I'm literally right there. I just got to keep pressing in.
0: I describe that feeling as like a champagne bottle that's being shooken up and the cork's about to pop, mm-hmm. like all that pressure, all that, all that work you've put into it. Uh, you're, you're right there. And dude, and that, it's so crazy. Cause even Endgame. game, I mean that, Oh my song, Mm-hmm. love that song and like Paddock <laughs> and like Joker, dude, those songs are just so catchy, man. And I like I, I've even told you before, like, I'm just so glad you didn't quit because dude, <laughs> I, I, I feel like you're like, you're, you're right there too. So, uh, I'm definitely glad he didn't quit. Um, but real quick, you know, we talked about all those positive comments and you know, there's that one negative comment. How do you deal with negativity?
1: So it's negativity. Natu- my natural flight or fight response is to just kind of escape or move away from it. But I know that I can't do that when, you know, if my name's really big, when your name gets super big, you're going to get harassed constantly. And what yeah. I do right now is try to train myself. I I look at people that I want to become like I look at people that are there and then I look at the comments, I look at the negative comments, and I look at how they handle it. I look at some of the stuff some people say because I want to try and prepare myself for that. Because I'm already not the best with negative comments. I do let it let it go to a specific place in my mind because it is a trigger for me um, with um, validation. That was a big thing for me growing up as a kid, lack thereof anyways. Um, so with negative comments, you know, I have to just remind myself that these are people that don't know who I am. They're probably people that are hurting terribly inside and they're trying to, um, they're trying to make someone else feel pain. They're trying to make someone else feel like they're not, they're, they're, that they're not good enough because they don't feel good enough inside. So, um, there've been times where I, I, would see a comment. I haven't had one in a while, but I've seen a comment where it's like criticism, unwarranted criticism. And I have to figure out how to either not respond to that and just let it be or respond to it. I learned that a lot of times you either don't respond to it or you respond to it in love. Um, just like, oh, thank you for calling that out. Thank you for looking at that. I appreciate that. Because if you try to fight it with negativity, it, you you lose. They win. They, they win and you fall into that trap. Um, there's just so much negativity out there, especially for people who are way farther ahead than me. And. People that are up there that have to deal with that, they have to build that that mental toughness to say, you know, I'm not going to fall into this trap. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to rise above it. I'm going to win with love. So that's my thing. I I need. I've been trying to learn how do I win with love because the last time I got a negative comment, it really it did kind of it hit me a certain way. It was uh I'm trying to remember that. So the comment basically was saying, you know, like it was a meme page. And I was, and I left a comment on there, like jokingly. And then I someone responded to me like, after looking at my profile, talking about I had no followers, a failed music career, blah, blah. And I was like, at first I was like, well, who is, who is this? Like, who are, <laughs> like, bro, who are you like coming on my profile and talking like, and then I had to like, stop, stop. They have no idea who you are. They're on, they're on their phone, which is the most secure place to be a harasser. And it, it's just it's just someone trying to start something. It's just someone being negative. And so I had to really look at that and I was like, I can either respond in anger or I can just let it go and just I'm never gonna see this person. this person is it has no has no uh, gravitational force on my success at all. So I'm not gonna let it affect me. So I just deleted the comment and went about my day. so but yeah, I mean I still got a lot of work to do with that, but I got to build that mental toughness and, and that tenacity to either not respond or respond in love
0: that that no it's a great philosophy it's just <sighs> Dude, people who troll like that, it's so interesting because I always preach to some of my clients that negativity is actually good mm-hmm. just because you did something or there is something about you that triggered somebody to comment because I feel like people don't comment that easily anymore. So I feel like sometimes you're on the right track. Now, with this, it just sounded like somebody was just being a troll. And <laughs> it's yeah. something I have to work on, too, because, like, I'm just super sarcastic. You know, I did a... Um, I did an interview with uh, Easy from NWA's daughter and mm-hmm. like some people commented like this interview sucks. And then I'll reply right back to him being like, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> and then like people below it are just like dying laughing because obviously it's me. So right. I'm like, I try to like fight it with humor, but no, I, yeah. And that's the, and that's another thing about our industry, man. Like you got, already like a core fan base and people build you up. But like you said, once you get on that big, big stage, it's just so weird in our industry that once you get there, people try to tear you down. And I will never understand that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people are, whenever I heard it from Gary V, how he said people are negative because they're hurting inside. I had to really understand that. I had to, because there've been times where, you know, against my moral compass, I would be irate. I would be irritated. I would say something that I shouldn't say. And that doesn't define my character. It does define that I'm hurting inside. It does show that I that I have pain inside. Because I was like, why would I say something like that? Why would I think think this way? Why would I be negative when all I want to do is be positive, when all I preach is being positive? Like, why would I do that? And it's because I'm hurting inside. I have pain inside. And for a split second, I want to get that out of my system the wrong way and throw it on someone else. And I think that's just the the big, like you said, the philosophy of it. I think that's the big philosophy of people that are negative. It's people are negative because they're hurting so badly inside that there's no more room for it to fester inside so it goes outward. And people want other people to feel their pain. People want other people to suffer because they're suffering. They're in this world where they feel like, my life is so bad and so terrible, or I dealt with this, and or my dad wasn't there, or this and that. And they take that energy and justify, okay, if I'm feeling like this, and if my world is this bad, then I want everybody else to feel like I feel that way. I don't feel alone. And I think that's where a lot of bullying come from comes from. I think that's where uh, these negative comments, these uh, the trolls, the people that say, oh, this interview sucks, or this song sucks, or blah blah, blah for no reason whatsoever. If you have ten thousand people saying the song's great yeah, that one person says, oh man, this is garbage. It's like your immediate reaction is like, well, screw this guy. But then it's just like, how bad is your life? And how bad, how little do you think of yourself to where you will go against all odds to go on someone's post and do something like that? It's like someone is hurting tremendously and it does not justify their actions. It does not. But it, it opens the door for understanding why and they, they need help, or they need to seek therapy, or they need to learn how to love. I mean, all of us, me me included. I'll catch myself going off and being mad, and I'm like, it's because I'm hurting inside, and I'm trying to let it get out. So.
0: Do you think that learning to deal with neg- negativity is a skill?
1: Yeah, and it, yes, and it takes, it takes, it can vary, but the majority of the time, it takes a long time to be able to learn how to redistribute that that negativity um, that anger, because that negativity it's it's a root and it stems from anger sadness abandonment or jealousy is all these different things that are negative festering into that one vague word negative negativity because it stems from so many different things and depending on the severity and how long you've dealt with it it can take months, years, decades to really heal from that. It's a long process. And I am currently healing from that myself because I've had a lot of things happen in my life where I haven't necessarily healed from it. And I thought I did. I just calloused over that pain, which is what a lot of people do. They think they heal, but really you just callous over it. So then something happens and it, it, it comes out. You're like, wait a second. I thought I healed from this. No, you just covered it up with, you know, your personality or you covered it up with money. You covered it up with friends. You covered it up with your new job, or whatever the case may be, so it, it's definitely it's a skill set, but it's also just a behavioral part of you that you have to develop, um, and I think it, it's crucial. A lot of people don't do what's necessary to heal um, because it's hard. It's super hard. I mean, you may have to take medication, you may have to see a doctor. I mean, it, it's hard. So, I mean, I don't blame people that don't do it because I didn't do it for a while, but it, it does. It is a practice, and it takes a while, and you have to develop it.
0: And what I've noticed is, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and, you know, follow the entertainment industry pretty pretty closely. And I've even noticed like, it's good to, you know, I see celebrities like, you know, poking fun at themselves, but you know, you hear them talk on their podcast. I think they're still dealing, you know, we were talking about how this is kind of a skill, but it's just like, I feel like it almost doesn't stop because once, you know, we develop that skill at this level, you know, and now what happened, then you've got to really develop another you know, another level of skill at that level, because like you said, people get harassed. I mean, you've got so many social platforms and people light you up for blinking the wrong way.
1: Mm -hmm. You got to walk on eggshells nowadays, man. Like you got to be very careful. You got to, you either have to be that person on social media that is accepted by everybody. And you have to kind of play the puppet of just being pleasable to everyone, which is impossible, but people manage to do it still. Um, or you have to just be yourself and be who you are and let everyone know, Hey, I love and appreciate everybody, but this is me. This is my personality. And some, a lot of people are not going to like it. And that's okay. Like, that's okay. If you don't like that, I do this or like that I do that. or like that. My, uh, you might like that. My layups are good. My three point shots suck. Like whatever, like I'm going to be me and I'm not going to lash out in anger. It's just you're right, man. Like, there's a lot of avenues where people can be that negativity. is, And it's just going to grow because social media is not going away. It's definitely not going away. If anything, it's going to build and build and build. So there's going to be more and more avenues for people to throw hate and to be negative. Um, So you just have to, for everybody that listens to this, you have to get to a point where you have to be okay with yourself and okay and understand that no matter what you do, you cannot please everybody. So you just have to do your best at being yourself accepting everyone and doing everything you can to be your best self.
0: And you talk about walking that fine line when it comes to creating, you know, your music and your content. How has that affected you as a creator?
1: It's opened my eyes really to understand, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different stories and backgrounds for people. Um, and the more that, um, the more that, Life changes and people that have been oppressed are freed um, and rights that are enabled that allow more people to do more things and allow more freedoms for people. And it shines light on a lot of things that have happened. Um, It makes for stories. It makes for, you know, okay, this is happening. I need to use my platform and speak on this because I believe in freedom and peace for everyone. I believe in acceptance for everyone. So I had no idea that this specific thing was happening, but now that I know, I'm going to speak on it. I think it just, it opens the door for, you know, using your platform to be a voice. Um, because right now with everything happening, especially this year, I mean, people are hurting. Um, a lot of people have hurting, are hurting. And I think as a creative, it's our responsibility to acknowledge that hurt and speak on it. I believe it's our responsibility to listen and learn even if we don't know what we need to know about a topic at least listen and learn and if we don't talk about in our songs or interviews or whatnot at least we're letting people know hey i'm listening i might be silent but i'm listening and i'm learning and i'm educating myself um and if you're at a point where you can speak on it then you know speak on it and speak a message and hopefully it helps people and shines light um but yeah i think nowadays with everything going on it is our responsibility as creatives to listen, learn, educate ourselves. And if we feel appointed to speak on it, then we need to speak on it.
0: And I kind of noticed that with your new single, did you, did that have anything to do with it?
1: It actually did. Um, So with everything going on, uh, for me, I know that there's not really a big topic on, um, you know, black kids being accepted uh, if they talk different or dress differently. Um, but it was a huge topic when I was younger in the early 2000s um it was a it was a big topic that I never really knew how to how to deal with I just was always like I thought that there was something wrong with me I thought that I was I was um a mistake I didn't belong even though I was just trying to be myself I was always made fun of by how I dressed or how I talked who I hung around with what I did I was skateboarding and all that stuff and um back then it was like I call it the soldier boy era. (laughs) I call call it because literally everybody was wearing like super baggy shirts and super baggy pants. It was just, it was just the era of that time. It was just the way it was at that time. But during that time is like, if you were black, like, and you were dressing differently and you were wearing clothes that like that were tight or that fit you skinny jeans, whatever you were just, you were crucified. You just were like, you were made fun of constantly. And I was the butt end of that. I was just, I was, you know, just mocked constantly. Um and I never really understood why. And whenever I first started, whenever I first made music, I made an acoustic song as my first ever song. It was my my band name way back it was called Hero Zill. It was stupid, I know, but it was back when I was starting out and I made a song that was called So Different. And the song was basically it was like White bands. It was like Why is he so different? You know, that's what I thought all this time. No one really accepts me and I don't understand why. Why doesn't my fellow Black brothers and sisters accept me? Why is this happening? So it was the very beginning of my music career and I didn't really know how to write or compose, but I took those feelings and I put it down on paper and I made a song. So fast forward now, you know, I still, I thought about it with everything going on. I thought about it. I was like, I want to make a new song about this, but I want to make it, You know, with today's time, but I still want to explain like, you know, that was something that was going on back when I was younger and I want to revisit that and shine light on it. So that's why I made the song. And, uh, I just pulled everything I could from my heart to make it. And it just happened to turn out really well.
0: (laughs) no no, that uh, i keep telling you that hook i was just like whoo that was uh that, that was good man but real i'll go back to that in just a second but are you talking about when you were talking about like baggy jeans and baggy shirts you're talking about like jinkos back in the day
1: oh yeah man absolutely like dude like that and uh oh god all wall i think uh, sean, uh, there, sean john there's a clothing company that was just like really he- really big clothes i think it was at burlington coat factory and like you could go there and get it is I think it's ah oh man I still remember but is it FUBU? The FUBU was one of them. Yes, FUBU was one of yeah. them. Yes, yes. Um, and
0: like Tommy Hilfiger and yeah. Nautica, they all they all hopped on board with that. But yeah. Um. What was I gonna say? Yeah, with the baggy pants with the Jinkos, there was a brand called Pipes, I think. Yep. That was like the cool thing. And you know, I don't know. Man. It was but yeah. <laughs> it was good times, good times. Nowadays <laughs> you just I looking back, I'm just like,
1: Oh god, like right. what were we doing? Exactly. Like I'll look at pictures back in the days like, oh my gosh, like that's crazy, just how how fashion and how culture changes so much.
0: Yeah, and then I can't. It's going to be interesting to look back because now skinny jeans are in, right? You know, Um, so it'll be interesting to you know flash forward. We think we're looking good, and then you know the next trend hits, and we're like, you know, could we get any more tighter with those jeans? Right. Uh, So, but uh, but yeah, I don't want to steer away from your new single. It's called White Vans, and Mm -hmm. uh, for those who haven't listened to it yet, you know what is it about?
1: So the song basically embodies, um, like I was saying earlier, just kind of like my story with when I was younger. Um, you know, I was hanging out with, um, all my white friends. Cause at the time that was the only people that really accepted me for who I was. Um, so, you know, they are skater friends, smoking, you know, just having, just enjoying life, going to parties. Um, and those are the people that I hung around and, I was, the, the question is like, how are you going to call me white? Because I was always called white. And, I, and it, it messed with me mentally because I was like, why am I being called white when I'm clearly black? Like, I don't get it. And then I understood <laughs> like, oh, it's, it's slang because, you know, we're, we're messing with you because you're acting white, you talk white, you dress white, which a lot of that stuff now is being kind of abolished. Like everyone is cool to be who they are. Like I'm way more accepted now than what I was back then um because it was just it was just kind of like that that prejudice mental mindset is like oh you're black but you're gonna be like on their team you know what I mean it's just like that's that's just kind of how it sounded it's like why are you gonna be black but you're gonna be supporting quote-unquote them and acting like them speaking like them like you're betraying who you are like I've, I was told that I was called very you know very rude things and it was a hard time growing up, and I just remember the only people that really accepted me were those white kids that skateboarded, got high, you know, just partied, enjoyed their life, and so I wanted to be like them because they accepted me. So that's what this song embodies. It just it, it talks about my story when I was in high school and when I was hanging out with my friends and skateboarding. You know, I was constantly called things weird, and I didn't really understand why, but you know, I just try to enjoy my life and. I was just whenever I was writing a song, I just looked back at the good times I had during that during that time. Um, that's why I say it was it was the life, man. We was flying on them kites, you know, like there's no strife with us. We were living on nine. Like We were living on cloud nine. Like everything was good. Everything was chill. Like we had a great time together. Um, so that that that's pretty much what the song talks about.
0: Do you think the things that you went through as a kid and, you know, what you're kind of going through now, even though like, I can't even imagine what that would be like. Um, it sounds terrible, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, obviously like we've talked a couple of times, you're super chill and all that stuff. But do you think it has shaped everything that's happened to you? Do you think it has shaped you into what you've become today?
1: Oh, hundred um, percent. Man, it feels like a blink of an eye. Um, all those years, it just, it seems like it just went so quick. But when I was going through them, it felt like the days were 36 hours. Like it just, those days were just so long. And there were many times where I tried to be like, uh, you know, all the other black kids that way I'd be left alone. Um, and it just, it never felt right. Cause I felt like I was trying to be something that I wasn't. I was trying to be something just so I could be left alone. Like that was my big thing when I was a kid. I just wanted to be left alone because when I tried to fit in, when I tried to be cool with people, like I was made fun of. I was bullied. I had food thrown at me, like just, just cause like I was different. So, um, I spent a lot of my time, you know, just wanting to be alone and wanting to avoid any kind of conflict. And no matter what, like, even if I spent the whole day trying to ignore people, like people would come to me, like conflict would just come to me. Um, so it just kind of It shaped a lot of who I am now because I learned very quickly that it didn't matter if I try to be like people and be the people everybody wanted or I try to be myself. There's always going to be someone that's going to make fun of you or call you out. There's always going to be someone that wants to pick on you and be the bully. There's always going to be someone that will spot something that they don't like about you, no matter how much you try to be the thing that everybody wants. So I learned that very quickly and I just decided to be myself Um, and just, hey, you know, people are going to make fun of me if I'm trying to be like everyone. People are going to make fun of me if I'm trying to be myself. So I'm just going to work on me. I'm going to focus on me. I nearly failed. I nearly didn't graduate from high school because I spent all the years in high school learning how to be more sociable, learning how to appreciate who I was, learning how to be friendlier, learning how to talk to people. I spent so much time trying to work on myself that my grades suffered tremendously. And I barely graduated. I graduated with a 2.1, like the cusp of graduation, graduating. I graduated. Um, but yeah, I spent a lot of years just trying to understand myself and learn who I was and appreciate myself and and accept myself, not worry about other people's acceptance, but accept myself. And it's still a journey. I'm still going on it, but I'm much farther along than I was. And thank, I'm thankful for those things happening because you know, the song white vans wouldn't exist if everything was just hunky dory and like life was great. And I was, and I, everyone loved me. Um, yeah, I mean, everything that's happened has built who I am today and it makes the stories for my songs and my music and my background. So I'm very thankful for those things happening a hundred percent.
0: And for kind of the, you know, younger crowd who may be listening, you know, you said you went through all that, you know, in middle school, high school, um, how did exactly did you get through it?
1: Oh man, through a praying mother. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but really, I mean, realistically, I, I felt like I had no choice. I really didn't because I either was going to get through it or I was going to just give up. And I tried to give up. I mean, there was a few times where I tried to take my own life. Thankfully it failed. Um, But I was just so hurt that I that I tried that, which, by the way, any younger audience listening, that's not the way to go. It's you're it's a very selfish way of going about things, trying to take your own life, because there's people out there that actually care about you and love you. And everyone that's ever attempted, the majority of people that have ever attempted suicide that failed, the very first thought that goes through their minds is regret. So don't be that person and take yourself out of here because you're worth more than you know. And there are people that actually love you. Um, and you have so much ahead of you that you can, that you can create. Just the fact that you're alive is, is a blessing. That's you're you have a one in I think 400 trillion chance of being born as a human. So, I mean, that's the biggest blessing is life. And even though it might suck or it might not be ideal, it might not be the way you want. I promise you it gets better and I promise you it, it's worth it. You just have to put yourself first and believe in yourself. Um, just believe in yourself. I mean, you're here for a reason. And do not listen, it's not like, oh, you're here for a purpose because your mom told you, or this person told you, or that person told you. No, you're here for a purpose, but it's up to you to discover that because it's your life. It is ultimately your life. And you have the entire world at your fingertips to make something happen, to make something out of it. And you're born in this time where you can make a business with your phone. You can do anything you want. You can make any kind of revenue. You can do any kind of business. Like, you are so blessed to be born in this time. Like, there are people that are literally, like, recording themselves baking cupcakes and getting paid thousands of dollars a month for doing that. Like, you are in such a great time to take whatever it is that you love, because you love something. It, It doesn't matter if people, other people don't love it. You love it, make it happen, create it, bring it to this world, because that's what you're here for. Whatever is inside of you to make and create and build, make it. Create it, put something here and make a legacy. People are going to enjoy and love it, I promise you. Um, That's what I would tell people and how I got through mine is just creating. I didn't have the resources that people have today. I just had my busted laptop and Fruity Loops at the time. It's called FL Studio now, but it was called Fruity Loops back then. And all I did was just sit in my room and record. The emotions that I felt when people picked on me, I recorded, I would cry in the microphone. I would record myself. Crying in the microphone singing songs because I felt so much and I made songs out of it So no matter what's happening create, you know, I, that's what got me through it is just creating locking myself in my room by myself and creating um, That's that's what I would that's what I would say. That's how I got through it I just had to do what I could do to get through it and I was creating music that was playing video games watching anime It was surrounding myself with the things that I loved surrounding myself with the things that I enjoyed to get me through those hard times and learning what I liked and learning what I'm good at so that's what I'd say
0: and that's how you became the master of melody my friend <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll I'll get there one day I'm not a master yet but I'm much farther along I'm much farther along and the thing is and I'm going to talk to the the artist super quick you yeah. do not need a manager you do not need a booking agent. You do not need a record label. You don't need those things. You might need them later on, but you do not need them right now. I promise you, do you do not. Because if you are quote unquote, nobody with very little followers, very little attentions on you, that is the easiest way for people to take advantage of you. And artists think, oh my God, like this label wants to sign me and I'm nobody. And they're just going to They're going to make me into a star. I mean, they might make you into a star. They might make you into something you do not want to be. They're going to pimp you. Like if you and I'm not saying like record labels are evil. I don't believe record labels are evil. I don't believe managers are evil. I believe that there are people that are evil that have evil intentions to take advantage of you. And the best way someone can take advantage of you is when you have nothing to offer. If you come to a table and you're sitting across from somebody that says, look, I have five million dollars to invest in you what do you have for me and you have nothing, then they can negotiate everything and they can pull your masters, they can own your rights as a person like they just can. And people think, oh, record labels are evil. Well, I mean, it's not okay to do that, but if you have nothing to offer, what do you think is gonna happen? So don't try to hustle for a manager or a record label or a booking agent or whatever, build yourself. And if you don't know how, learn, educate yourself. That is the biggest thing you can do is educate yourself. Buy books on mastering, buy books on being your own manager, building your fan base. You know, there's seminars, there's webinars, like educate yourself. That way, when you're across from a person- It's YouTube. That's how I learned how to do all this, literally is YouTube and Google. Like, I didn't have <laughs> someone teaching me any of this. I had YouTube. That's all I had. If I didn't know how to do something, I would go to Google, how do I do this? A YouTube link would pop up and I'd watch it. That's what I've done these past eight, nine years. So whenever you're sitting down the table across from the person and they say, I have $5 million. What do you have for me? I have 500,000 fans. I have this many record sales that I've made a million dollars off of record sales by myself. I have these shows. I have these awards. I've been on these radios. I've been on these interviews. I have all this. I don't need your $5 million at all. You called me here. That's how you negotiate and then you can actually negotiate deals. You can negotiate things on on the table. I want to keep my masters. Why do you want to keep, why should we let you keep your masters? Because I can do this without you. That's what you want to be able to say at a meeting. You do not Mm -hmm. want to go there with nothing and they just leverage everything and they just pimp you pretty much. Artists, I know it's aggravating. I know it's stressful. I know it is. It sucks to not have what you want and then there's people all around like trying to offer you this, offer you that. I've had people offer me to be on tracks with Lil Uzi Vert and Trippy Red and I, I turned it down because like what they were offering was just horrible. Like they wanted to take all the rights from the song. I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I gotta get myself to a point where I can negotiate. So to my fellow artists and producers, you have to build your own brand. If you want control, trust me, you're gonna want control. Do not try to give in to the quick way of getting quick money fast. Build your business and then negotiate is going to, you're going to win in the end. I promise you
0: creating that leverage, baby.
1: I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you that's, that's, that's how you make it.
0: Well, and I also, in a previous episode, in episode 24, I spoke to, um, a country artist out in Michigan and I actually found him through Gary V and those of you who don't know, Gary V is just super motivational entrepreneur guy. Um, if you've been on Facebook, you've seen something he's done, but he talked to, uh, and he talked about that, you know, he's doing it. He's gone viral so many times on YouTube and, you know, Facebook doing his own thing. And, um, but yeah, and he, he's an independent artist as well. You know, he works with a producer and if the deal is good, good, if not, not, you know, he talked about being, you know, going to Nashville and, um, a lot of those record deals that people don't realize is, you know, okay, you you sign with a label and they front you a ton of cash, but what they don't tell you is you got to pay that back. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's why I think a lot of, you know, the record labels and stuff get really bad raps because you hear about, you know, artists like Taylor Swift. Uh, she doesn't own any of her masters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't imagine not owning, like, I I guess I get it from a business standpoint it's not how i would do business but like you know a lot of those record labels are in it for the money and they know what they can do and you know him and i talked about how it's like okay you sign this label you're famous now but you're famous and broke
1: right not worth it Mm -mm. it is not worth it at all i mean if uh who said it chance the rapper he said is like masters are going to be how you feed your family and your family's family like That's how you leave a legacy is is that money you get from your masters because your masters are who you are. Like and people I mean, if you're willing to sell that for fame, I mean, fame is so quick. Like the people that are here the longest, I mean, they sacrifice so much. Like I'd rather and this is just me. I'd rather have three successful years as a recording artist, own all my masters, have everything that I need, not want everything, everything that I need and retire. I'd rather do that than have 15 years in the music industry as a recording artist, none of my masters, hugely in debt, letting the record label tell me what I'm going to do, tell me where I'm going to live, tell me who I'm going to do music with, pimp me, take me where I don't want to go, and, and just market me the way they want. I'd rather have three years doing it the way I want to, have all my money, own my masters 90% of my revenue is mine you know it's 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 just not worth the trade off it's not i don't care if i'm famous for 20 25 years like if i have nothing after all said and done and i can't give anything to my family it's not worth it and it sucks not having anything right now but i'd rather have nothing now but i own everything that i've made than have everything i quote unquote want and own none of it
0: and what we talked about, what a bad deal sounds like. What is a good deal, in your opinion?
1: I think a good deal to me is like if you can negotiate a publishing deal. Uh, I think that's that's ideally what I would want. Um, a publishing deal basically is like you keep your masters, but the the label will publish your music and your content for you, and you keep the majority of your rights. Um, a bad one is like a three hundred and sixty deal. Is it's not terrible. You just have to be prepared to pay it back. But a publishing deal. I mean, you, they're just going to publish your content and you get to keep your the rights to it. If you negotiate correctly, that's ideally what I would like. And that is a good deal to me, because if you negotiate a publishing deal correctly, you get to keep your masters. You get to keep the majority of your content and profit. You just have to lay the label is going to sign you and then distribute your music and publish your music for you. Um, and I'm pretty sure you do owe money back, but not as much as a 360, 360 deal. Um That's what a good deal would would be to me. Um, Now, I'm still trying to teach myself about these things, but I'm pursuing a publishing deal with a record label. That would be ideal. I would also like to pursue an independent record label first. I would like to pursue them, negotiate, hey, you know, I want to own my master's. I want to own what's mine, and we will split profits a specific way. If you'll help me negotiate a record label deal with the independent record label, that would, that's what would be ideal to me. If I could find an independent record label, or I could find a manager that starts an independent record label with me and pursues building my fan base and pursues building myself up to negotiate a deal with a record label. That is what I ideally would like to have.
0: Are deals like that hard to come by?
1: They are if you're nobody. (laughs) Um... Their deals now, the deals have changed so much. There used to be something, which is what I was wanting in the beginning. I was wanting a development deal. And what that was is you took someone, Justin Bieber, kid playing guitar on the street, getting recorded by his mom and puts it on YouTube. Um, Scooter, Scooter Braun, I think is his name. Scooter Braun discovers him, signs him and develops him, takes you in. A developmental deal is basically like, look, we're going to sign you to this label But we know that you have a lot to work on. So we're going to sign you to this label and we're going to build you. We're going to develop you and build you and improve. Okay, you're singing. You're going to be a singer, so we're going to improve on your singing. Okay, you need to learn how to write. We're going to improve on your songwriting, your image. We're going to build you and spend the money to build you into this artist that's going to rake in millions for us. But we're going to spend money on you first and build you and then, then, then showcase you to the world and then you know, we make money. That wasn't a bad plan. It wasn't a bad deal because you're getting signed to the label and they're going to take care of you. They're going to build you into the artist that you, that you want to become. And you're going to become the artist that's going to build in that, bring in that revenue. That does not really exist anymore. Um, most deals now are 360 deals. That's just the majority of them are 360s where look like, Hey, we like you. We want to sign you. Your masters are not going to be yours at all. Don't even try to negotiate them. We're going to give you, uh, we're going to sign you to a $3 million deal. We're going to give you a $200,000 advance. That's money. That's your money to do whatever you want. And you're immediately in $3.2 million of debt. That's how 360 deal starts. Like, And it's up to you to recoup that money. But you don't realize while you're trying to recoup that money, if you want to take a trip to Fiji to shoot a, a music video, that's more money that's going into your debt pool. So you're just constantly building more debt while trying to get out of it. Now, some people get out of it like a uh, little yachty. He is someone that signed a 360 deal and immediately recouped it and immediately paid it back. Like, boom, just like that. And that's good. He not only paid it back, but made more money, got endorsement deals with Target and all these other people. Um, so he's one of the very few that got signed to a 360 and recouped it. And he's in the clear now. Um but yeah a lot of deals nowadays are 360 deals publishing deals are very difficult i think 21 savage got a publishing deal um because he signed to an indie label and then that indie label uh contracted a deal with a major so ideally you'd want to sign to an indie or sign to a manager who's starting an indie and then get to a point where you can negotiate a deal with a major that is that to, personally to me that's ideal if you're trying to go that route um and that's what i want It's just very rare because you have to get, you either have to be at a point by yourself, which is extremely rare, to negotiate by yourself, or you need to have a team that can build you and build the group together and then try to negotiate a deal. That's more likely to happen.
0: And it just seems like even I feel like the juice would be that much more sweeter when you get that type of deal because mm-hmm. you've literally like you could say you, you didn't say it was impossible, but it's very, very difficult. But mm-hmm. who says you can't do it?
1: Right. Right. And you get the most reward out of it because you did all that work at the very beginning. You're not, it's like, dude, it's like going to an interview. If you come to an interview with no resume, like <laughs> you're not going to get hired. Like, that's just not <laughs> happening. But if you go to like, let's say you go to this really prestigious company and you are sitting there with an interview and they're like, well, what do you have for us? Why should we hire you? And you have absolutely nothing. Dude, you're going to get kicked out the door or they'll be like, yeah, we'll hire you. We're going to hire you for five bucks an hour. It's like, what? You, the, the thing says 25 bucks. Well, you don't have any experience. So why would we give you more money if you don't have anything that can guarantee us you're going to do your job correctly? That's exactly what it is. It's like. Why would we give you money as an artist when you have literally nothing to show that you can make this happen? What, that, that risk is way too high. So what they will do is like, okay, we'll give you $3 million, but we're giving it to you to give back to us. You, we're, we're loaning you that money. We're not give, We're loaning you that money, and we don't care what you have to do. You have to give us that money back. Like, you have to give us that money back. Like, you don't want to do that. You want to go to that company that you're applying for. It's like, what do you have to show for? So, well, I have all these, all these things laid out. I have this resume. I have this cover letter. I have this letter of recommendation from five different people who are prestige, blah, blah. It's like, okay, yeah. Well, they're starting rate's 25. Well, I want to negotiate. I want to do 30 because I have all this and and I have a PhD. Like, you want to be able to bring that to the table. That way you can negotiate
0: dude. That's powerful stuff, man. And before I forget, uh, you had mentioned legacy before, how important is legacy to you and what do you want your legacy to be?
1: It's the main reason I'm doing this it it is my life force. (laughs) It honestly is man. Like even before music, my desire was to impact the world in a way that I would never be forgotten. And my future families will, will have a name for themselves. You know, that's, that's my, that's my dream. That's my belief that I'm going to leave that before I leave this world is, is have a legacy that has changed the world for the better, that has impacted it. And my family can, can be, can live successfully and free because, you know, their great grandfather established this business and they are able to go to the school they want. They want to, they can go to the college they want. They can. Pursue whatever it is they want because their great-grandfather left a legacy for them, left something for them and changed the world. It's like, oh, your grandfather was Jonathan Peake. He did so much, blah, blah. Like, I want to leave something that changes the world and that helps the world. Um, legacy is, is big to me. That's the reason I'm doing this. That's why I'm not so eager to just sign my rights away. Like, I'm not going to do that if I, I just am here today and gone tomorrow. Like, I want to build something that stays even after I'm gone. That not only helps the world, but helps my family and my kids and their kids. Legacy is important to me. Legacy is the foundation of who I am and it's the foundation of my music and it's the foundation of anything I put my heart into.
0: You said you talk about, you know, you want to build something big that lives beyond you, you know. So let's kind of set the stage a little bit, you know, you're you know, you're on top, you know, you've got all, you know, your music's heard worldwide, you've got all the money you know what to do with. How do you want to give back?
1: I want to pour into as many things I possibly can. I want to buy businesses. I want to buy small businesses. I want to invest in other businesses. I want to have profit every as many places as I can. Um, I want to be able to invest in companies and starting up companies that help people. I want to donate um, to as many foundations as possible. Um, But I want to actually start my groundwork into companies, own companies. Like I want to build companies for myself that help people, that take care of their employees, that take care of their customers, that do whatever it is they need to do to help people. Um, the very first thing I'd like to do is invest in companies. I don't know which one specifically, but I do want to invest in companies. Um, that way I have my money somewhere that's building, um, whether it's stocks or whatnot. Um, and then I want to go into building my own record label. Um, I want to build my own record label. I want to build it around independent artists that have talent that just need the foundation to build and to build themselves, to become who they need to be. Um, I want to pour my money into create into the creative department. I want to pour it into music. I want to pour it into um, movies, video games, um, art, cartoons. Like, I really want to focus on the art side of the world because creativity, I mean, that's, that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. Like, I mean, our iPhones came from creativity. Someone was bold and creative and went against all odds to bring that creation to life and even though Steve Jobs Steve Jobs isn't with us now like we wouldn't be where we are today if it wasn't for him just pushing the envelope and and being creative and making something out of it um so that's what I want for myself I want to pour into creative into the creative businesses um very at the very beginning and just go from there and just and spread like a wildfire and just make sure that I'm pouring into as much as I can I don't want to make a whole lot of money and hold on to it I want to make a whole lot of money and give it back and pour it into the economy. I want to pour it into the world, but I want to pour it into it the right way.
0: Oh, yeah, dude. And I think we'll end it on that note, man, because like I said, I could talk about this stuff forever, (laughs) man. Where can we find you online and feel free to promote your new single and what else you're working on?
1: Oh, yeah. So um, a lot of my stuff is on Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, uh, Google Play, the whole line, any platforming. Uh, any streaming platform that you can find, even Pandora, I'm on there. You can search me by Cyan C-Y-A-N-I. There's a space between Cyan and I. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. That's where I'm the busiest. That's where you'll find me uh, hanging around the most. Um, and that's I am Cyanai, I-A-M-C-Y-A-N-I. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter, Cyanipills, C-Y-A-N-I-P-I-L-L-S. Uh, but if you want to catch me and send me a message or reach out to me, Instagram's going to be my go-to. Um, I also have SoundCloud, soundcloud soundcloud.com slash I-A-M-C-Y-A-N-I. And yeah, all my music's everywhere. So if you just search Sinai, you'll find me Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, Pandora, uh, even Shazam. So you can find me just about anywhere.
0: I'll put everything in the description below in your new single white vans. You got a you straight fire from you, man. So, and I think you're just like I said, you're just getting started. So I can't wait to uh, see what else you come up with. But once again, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
1: Of course, Thomas. Thank you, man.
0: All right. That does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And I would love your help. This podcast is brand new, so I need all the help I can get. If you would just subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating. I really, really would appreciate it. And last but not least, I got a little something for you. For the last 10 years, I have been writing, shooting, producing, editing my own video to get my dream job as an entertainment reporter in Los Angeles interviewing the stars. Now, that might not be your dream, but if you are in this industry and you are in this field, you are going to need to learn how to write, shoot, and edit, produce, your own content. And now I want to personally train you on these skills so you can create your own journey and make money while doing so. So, what I want you to do now is log on to Facebook and request to be in my private Facebook group, On Camera Professionals. Once again, it is called On Camera Professionals. But wait, Thomas, I really liked your stuff. I really want to learn from you, but I don't want to be on camera. Don't worry, I got you covered. In this group, I'm going to be doing a live training, so that means live tips and tricks. I'm going to do giveaways, freebies, and I'm also going to do personalized training. So once again, log on to Facebook and type in On Camera Professionals, and I'll see you there.